Hey folks, in this episode of the podcast, I get to sit down with Mr. David Vaskovich. He's the guy behind a little piece of software you may have heard of called Milio. This is Twitter. Hey, welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photo. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Today, I get to sit down with a founder of a piece of software called Milio. We're going to find out what it's for, who it's for, and then if you're good and you stick around, we're going to record another video where David's going to dive into Milio as a user and show you how the founder uses this piece of software. David Vaskovich, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. No, it's a pleasure to have you on. It's an honor. I love having these kind of these kinds of conversations with visionaries and people that have dreamt up solutions to problems, many times to problems that we didn't know we had. Right. So let's dive into this. So first of all, you have you have kind of a storied background, right? So I want to talk about your background a little bit and the history of David Vaskovich before we get into this this current chapter of what you've got your hands in. So what's what's the elevator pitch for David Vaskovich? Well, I was born in Israel. Uh, I was a real geek. Uh, read a lot of science fiction books. Uh, heard about computers before they existed because they really were invented in science fiction books. Uh, started programming in 1966, if you can imagine that. Wow. Uh, yeah. Wrote one of the first three email systems in the world in 71 um, and have been involved with software ever since. Wow. Yeah. And you've been involved with some some larger companies, let's say, in the software space? Yeah. So I um, had several of my own companies. Then I worked for a company called 3Com with a guy named Bob Metcalf, who invented local area networking and yes. Ethernet. Uh, and then I went to Microsoft in 86, before there was a Windows, before there was an office. And I was there for just short of 25 years. And my last eight years there, I was the CTO for the whole company. Wow, that, that's amazing. I can't imagine some of the things that you know and have seen, products that may have never seen the light of day, you know, other ones that did. What, what an exciting background. Um, and then now you're, you're doing Milio. You're, a, you're an entrepreneur doing yep. software, doing a software, ostensibly a software startup. Um, and Milio, yeah. just to set the stage, many of the This Week in Photo audience may remember the name Milio. If they're not using it now, they may remember it because Milio launched several years ago at, at a trade show. I think it was a WPPI, right? Yeah, so Milio, actually, that's it, it, it launched at Photo Plus. Photo Plus, okay. In New York in 2014. And it's been a long journey. I still consider us to be in startup mode. The, the product is uh, way more powerful and sophisticated than it was then, but the mission has never changed. Yeah. And, and what is that mission? What is the, the one-sentence mission or the one-sentence problem first, that Milio is seeking to solve? Yeah. First, let me tell you what it's not, because it's, okay. it's really interesting. I mean, uh, you know, it would be... It would be true to say that Milio is a photo manager, but that's kind of missing the point. There are a lot of photo managers out there for people who 
uh, have photos and don't want to lose them, but don't want to spend any time on organizing them, you've got Google Photos and Apple Photos. They have like, you know, billions of users. Um, but when I think of a photo, I think of something different. So I've been interested in human memory since the 70s. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, here's the thing, particularly at this point in the world, there's all this discussion about machine learning and is it artificial intelligence? And then there are these, uh, I don't know what to call them now, robots like chat GPT mm -hmm. that can actually have intelligent conversations. You know, there are a lot of like uh, bloggers who are afraid they're no longer going to make a living because somebody can just type a sentence into a computer and chat GPT will write out in some cases a better answer than they would. And there's a part of that that's left out of that entire conversation that never comes up, and it has to do with being human. Mm -hmm. So when you think about the meaning of life or the purpose of life, and okay, A, this is not a Monty Python skit for anybody who knows what Monty Python is or <laughs> who he was, um, and I am going to get back to Milo, I promise, but... When we think about, like, let's say you're having a day at the office or not at the office, everything's fine, and then something happens that gets you really angry, or something happens that gets you really sad, or, you know, you see a member of the opposite sex, and suddenly that's the only thing you can think of. You know, all, all of those kinds of things change your entire day. And when you think about at the end of somebody's life, you know, they think about their memories and their memories are not about papers they wrote or, you know, they're about emotional experiences, connections with people. And it's actually the memories in some way that frame our lives. They don't define our lives. So, you know, I've been interested in all of that for a long time. Like you cannot find a good definition of what emotions are or how they work. And okay, now related to that, um, just one more example, and then I'll get back to Milio. You know, let's say you and I are sitting at a restaurant and there's music playing, and then suddenly I say to you, Frederick, what's that song? And you might say to me, you know what? I know what it is, but I can't remember the name. Have you ever had that experience? Yeah, all the time. Yeah. And then you try to remember it, like we're both trying to remember it. You know, we're walking around, we're eating, we're, whatever we're doing. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, you remember. You've had that experience too, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. How did your brain do that? Like, we have no idea. You know, so um, the, the purpose, the mission of Milio is to change the way the world remembers. No, I want to explore you know, that a little bit. So, you, so ch and I get that, you know, and it's... Like like when you we when you run into a house, your house is on fire. One of the the main things that you want to grab are your photos. If you you know you still have physical photos and you don't have them backed up somehow, you want to get those photos because those are irreplaceable. I can replace my computer, my phone, my clothes, furniture, all that stuff can be purchased again. The memories cannot be purchased again. Uh, and one thing you touched on is memory, right? And and, and being human, one of the things, and I'm kind of in that rabbit hole too, that whole chat GPT and, you know, stable diffusion and mid journey and all these things that are doing these, these, these artificially intelligent kind of creative works. 
the one thing one thing that stuck in my head just yesterday speaking of things sticking in our heads was we don't even know what consciousness is yet right or i don't know if we ever will know what consciousness is we don't know what consciousness is period (laughs) yeah right yeah and will we ever right will we ever so at what point what point do computers or systems that can augment memory or reality or whatever what point can we say that they have a consciousness or do they already right that's maybe that's a question for another thing but since you're a computer you know whiz and and founder i thought i'd throw that at you well first of all since nobody knows what consciousness is i mean nobody does there's a lot written about it Mm -hmm. that means uh we might not be able to tell if a computer had had become conscious (laughs) right that's, right. that's the first thing. And but I'm I'm a hundred percent sure that computers as we know them today, um I know they don't have feelings. Yeah. Are, are you sure? And if you think about like for most people, what defines their lives is the central relationships in their lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The people mother, father wife, son, daughter, friends, central relationships. What are those relationships about? They're about feelings. Yeah. So I'm, you know, now, you know what, we don't really want to turn this podcast into a podcast about um, artificial intelligence, but like, let's take self-driving cars. You know, I was at a a presentation not that long ago and they were talking about a self-driving car driving down a two-lane road and somewhere off in the distance like half a mile away all of a sudden a bicyclist comes into the car's lane now the human recognizes that this is a bicyclist going around a parked car and doesn't even slow down the computer doesn't understand that broad context and so all it knows is there's a bicyclist in the lane and it does an emergency halt. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's what, you know, there's these five levels in automated driving and level five, level two, we're at level two, like it's basically cruise control. And level five is where you can say to your car, hey, go and pick up George at the skating rink. No, pick him up at the school. He's going to have his friend Henry with him. Don't let anybody else in the car. Take him to the skating rink, pick up the dry cleaning, go back to the skating rink and bring them home, but only leave them at home if one of the people you know answers the door. Mm. That's level five. And I don't think we have any way of even predicting when we're going to get to level five. So, you know, I I think it'll eventually happen. Anyways, we're getting very far afield. The the problem that I'm interested in is, um, you know, you talk about people who have memories and do they still have like slides and prints and negatives? And this is 2023, just barely. Yeah. And <clears throat> the iPhone was only announced in 2010. And before that, uh, almost nobody took pictures with a digital camera. So almost anybody who's an adult today, even people just graduating from college, probably the majority of their important memories are still in analog form, slides, prints, and negatives. Wow. 
Wow. And if they're not backed up and if they're not digital, somehow those could be, those are basically going to be lost memories, right? So there's, there's that jump. Here's the next question. So, um, so I had a friend and he and his wife had collected uh, about 50,000 slides, prints, negatives from extended family. Now you might think that's a big number, 50,000, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, my mother died just before COVID, but 10 years before she died, I was in her house when she was still in her house <clears throat> and I brought home a stack of albums. If we were on a camera, I'd show you, it's like, you know, I have one hand down below and another hand kind of at my waist and another hand kind of at my face. That's how big the stack of albums were. It's like six albums. And it was mostly the reason I didn't bring more home is it was too heavy. Like those mm-hmm. albums get really heavy. Yeah. So can you picture that stack of albums? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, okay, I can't. That was 14, Absolutely. That was four that was fourteen thousand pictures. So fifty thousand is a big number, but it's not that big a number. But I'll tell you what, if I say to you, Frederick, I have a job for you, and if you can get this job done soon, I'll give you, I don't know, whatever you want, an Apple Watch, maybe even a car. And then you go into a room and there's 50,000 pictures and you have to organize and that's a big job. You're probably not going to get the prize unless you have a lot of time. Mm -hmm. So he decided that um, he decided he was going to get those 50,000 pictures organized for his wife's 60th birthday. First thing he decided was I'm not going to send them to a scanning service because if they get lost, I can't replace them. Like my mother ran into a burning house to save pictures when she was a teenager, literally Mm. put her life at risk. Then he decided he found somebody who would scan them locally. He didn't even trust the guy to drive the pictures to his office. So he drove the pictures himself to the guy's office. Okay. So like a month later, the project's done. He goes to the office and he picks up, he gets a disc. He's all excited and he gets home. And then he looks at the dude and he says, wait, what is my wife going to do with this disc? Why is it better than a set of physical albums? This might be better than the boxes. I mean, it's 50,000 files organized into several hundred file folders in a hierarchical, you know, array. Like, what's she going to do with it? Nothing. She's better off with what I had before. What do I do now? So then he took all of the um, pictures. He thought he was going to put them all into Google Photos. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, it takes a long time to upload 50,000 pictures. So he stopped at 5,000, and he said, now I'm going to start to uh, organize them. Now, here's the thing. If I give you a bunch of pictures, and they're not in any particular order, they're not associated with any events, none of the faces are tagged, so you don't know who they are, and you don't even know where the pictures were taken. That's called a burden. Like if I, if I'm a child or a grandchild, and then I get this box or these boxes with all that stuff, uh, it's an inheritance. Like, what do I do with them? I feel bad throwing them away. So I'm going to put them somewhere. And every time I look at them, I'm going to feel guilty, but I don't know how to do anything with them because none of the pictures mean anything unless they're organized. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, He put them into Google, and the first thing he wanted to do 
And I'm working on a project like this myself because my daughter is turning 40. And I think, no, she can't be 40. I'm 40, except I'm not. And <laughs> first thing I want to do is put those old pictures into chronological order. Well, it turns out in Google, it turns out in Apple, it turns out in the Adobe products and any other photo manager you can think of, they don't have any facilities for dealing with old pictures. So first thing you're going to find out is all of those pictures have a time and a date or a, sorry, a date and a place. It's the date they were scanned and the place they were scanned. Now, if I'm this guy's wife and I get all these old pictures and I go to find out the date and it's the date when they were scanned, that's like an insult in a way. Yeah. Don't you know any better? Right. right exactly. So, <clears throat> but Google photos, like when I do the demo, uh, one of the first pictures we'll look at is a picture of my mother who's no longer alive, sledding with a bunch of friends in Germany in 1934. Now, Here's the thing. Even my mother, even when she was around, even when she was fully cogent, did not know the exact date and time that that picture was taken. Like, how would she know that? But the only thing Google and Apple and all the other products let you put in is year, month, day, hour, minute, second. Like, I don't want to do that. It's just wrong. Yeah. So like as a simple example, we, you know, we support fuzzy dates and you can say winter of 1934. Okay, that's meaningful. Okay, so here's the thing. So he, he realizes Google's not helping him at all. Then he tries Apple. He only puts in 500 pictures and realizes almost right away Apple's not helping him at all. And then he, he can't remember the name of the product, but he knows my name, looks it up. Milio. Oh, yeah, Milio calls me up a week later and says, I'm so excited. I have a quarter of the pictures organized. Okay, so now it's his wife's, the birthday, the day of the birthday, right? He doesn't give her the disc. I mean, it's not, the disc is there, but why does she care, right? Mm -hmm. He puts in front of her an iPad, and this is where I wish I could demo. We'll do that in the second part. Running what we call the life calendar. So this is not a calendar of dentist appointments and airplane flights and kids' soccer games. It's the calendar of my life. It's like births and deaths and bar mitzvahs and parties and big trips and all that kind of stuff. And unlike a normal calendar, which goes back like a year or two years, my life calendar goes back over 100 years. Wow. Over a hundred years. Think about that because it's three generations. So he puts that in front of her. She starts scrolling through it. It's on an iPad. And he explains to her how it works. And then he, he wants to say something. And she says, Bob, don't say anything. And then a few minutes later, she starts, <clears throat> I always get emotional. She starts crying. <clears throat> and in that moment, he realized that was the best gift he'd ever given her in his life. The gift of memories. That's it. I, you said it. That gift wasn't an iPad and it wasn't a piece of software and it wasn't all the scanned pictures. It was all of those things. That gift was memories. Yeah. And we started off uh, just a few minutes ago talking about AI and all that. This is, this is almost like I mean, yeah, of course, we've had artificial memory in computers forever, but 
adding the level of humanization to it to memory to artificial memory means you can remember back a hundred years right and go re-experience yeah. those moments and whereas our little biological carbon-based memories are on a downward slide and things are going out the window every day right that's that's there all the time well you know that's i i that's all true the way that i choose to think about it is there's the part we're good at and the part the computers are good at. And when you put the two of us together, we're greater than the sum of the parts. You know, there's this um, kind of meme. You know what a meme is, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there's this meme that's kind of, um, it's kind of popular. The It's the second brain. Mm-hmm. Have you heard yeah. of the second brain? Yeah. Tiago Forte so that, is a guy that plays in that space. Yeah. So there I, I want to bring up a second version of the second brain. The first version is very, um, you know, it's right hand, left brain, very logical. Mm -hmm. So that second brain is about taking notes and memory maps and nothing wrong with that. Okay, but there's another version of the brain, of the second brain, which is about extending our memory and our feelings. And it, it's about having everything right there, like, a picture of me when I was born, you know, a picture of my mother as she was dying, that vacation we took and what the kids were like when they were five years old. And yes, it's also got in there my trip itinerary and it's got in there information about the hotel I'm staying at or the ballet I'm going to next week. So that's my second brain. But you know what else that is? It's my second heart. Hmm. So I sometimes think that Milio, in a way, is uh, my second brain and my second heart. Wow. Wow. And that's a that's a big responsibility because, you know, that this issue that you're attempting to solve with Milio that you may have solved, we'll see in the demo, is, I mean, it plagues everyone from you know, just your beginning photographers to your mom photographers taking pictures of gymnastics all the way through to high-end photographers making thousands of dollars a minute at a high-end New York City shoot. It is, how, what do I do with these images and how? And how do I back them up so that they're not going anywhere? And how do I make it so that I can access them with the least resistance possible, right? And Yeah, so let me... So, so let me riff on that for a second, okay? Yeah, go for you it. Know, you mentioned the professional photographers. So here, here's this thing. So, um, you know, like um, one of the things I'm going to show during the demo is um, a picture. So it's a picture of my father and me on a beach. So my father died in a plane crash when I was 13. And so I, you know... I, I don't, I, you know, I, I have um, only old memories and my oldest memory is of him and me sitting on a beach. And I've never, until a while ago, I never knew if that memory was really real or not, because some of the memories we have are constructed. It's not about lies or not lies. It's how the brain works. Yeah. And then um, one day I was going through old pictures because with Milio, you'll discover pictures you didn't even know you had. And I discovered a picture of the memory. Hmm. And then I was on an airplane in tears. Yeah. Okay, so, you know, I'm also, like, photography is kind of a hobby for me. So I go on photo trips, and if you come to my office, I have pictures of, like, 
animals and waterfalls. And I mean, there's, I think they're great pictures, but here's the thing. So professional photographers are always trying to take great pictures. When they get old and they're looking back in their life, there's the great pictures and the important pictures. The great pictures are important, but the great pictures are actually not important pictures. That picture of me on the beach with my father is not a great picture. It's an important picture. And the important pictures actually are the great pictures, mm-hmm. like for all of us. And that includes the professional photographers, because when you scratch down beneath the surface, like I'm a professional photographer, I get hired to do a photo shoot. I'm working on a book. Eventually, the photo shoot's done. The book is published, and I move on to the next project. But I'll never move on past my <clears throat> memories of my kids when they were little or the trips I took with my mother. Yeah, yeah. Do you, I'm curious. So that's why we, I want to say, can I say two other things? Yeah, no, go for it. So another thing about me and Milio, we're sort of, uh, we're flying into the wind in a lot of cases. Like Mylio does have machine learning in it because it does very good face recognition, but it's not a machine learning product per se. Um, And uh, even though the cloud is important and allows all of our devices to talk to each other, one of the things that makes Mylio different is all of your pictures are stored in your devices, not in the cloud. And that's huge. I want to get into that. You know, when we, when we start, you know, sort of moving into the the deeper into the software side of things that that is the when that was first explained to me, for example, the 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 fact that it's not in the cloud or that you're not leveraging the cloud when uh, many other services are. It's all about the cloud. And the assumption is if you're doing the things that Mylio is purporting to do, of course, there's a cloud in there. Everything's going up to a cloud and then dropping back down with some intelligence onto other other devices. Why, why did you make the decision to forego the cloud? Because when I, when I think of Mylio, I think, I know this is a, is an inaccurate analogy, but I think of technologies like Napster back in the day where all the music was on all the computers. There was nothing in a cloud. It was, there was, you know, there was a set of instructions in the crowd, in the cloud that said, Hey, this song is over there or a piece of it is, this is how you reassemble it, but nothing was in a physical cloud-based location. Like, why, why'd you make the decision to go distributed? Okay, first of all, we're not anti-cloud. Mm-hmm. We're pro-choice. Okay, I have to be careful. That has another meaning. We believe users, consumers, people should have a choice. So if you choose to put all your pictures in the cloud, not only do we let you, but we let you choose which cloud. You can even use multiple clouds. So today we support Amazon, we support Google Drive, and we support OneDrive. You can put all your pictures in the cloud, or you can put none of your pictures in the cloud or any mixture you want. And if you put your pictures in, let's say, Google Drive, you can put them in an encrypted form. Hmm. Now, I happen to believe that one reason that Google has made photos such a high priority is If you're in advertising and you want to know everything about a consumer, even if you don't sell any of that information, give me their pictures and there's nothing I won't know. 
how many kids they have, what kind of car they drive, what they eat, where they live, what kind of furniture. It goes on and on. But if our my pictures happen to be in Google Photos, they're not going to, or Google Drive, there's nothing they can look at if I choose to have them encrypted. So we believe in choice. Okay, that's the first thing. We also believe, I believe in privacy. Now, here's an interesting conversation I had. I had a, I have a friend at a big company, I won't tell you which one, and we are talking about face recognition. And they're having an internal debate in this company about whether or not they should do face recognition in general, and particularly when it comes to photos, because you know the information is in a shared computer, no matter how careful they are, somebody might breach it, and like, what does it mean to have identified all these faces? So he said, well, how come you guys don't feel uncomfortable about face recognition? Don't you worry about the privacy implications? And I said, okay, here it is. So you've got what what could possibly be wrong with running software against your pictures, your software in your computer running against your pictures to make them more recognizable by you? And he looked at me. He said, you're right. You can't be more private than that. Boy, I wish we were you. (laughs) But here's the other thing. So we have this, um, one of the most magical parts of my, there are two two or three really magical parts of Mylio. One is that all your machines automatically talk to each other whenever they can see each other and bring themselves up to date. So where are your pictures? In all your devices. In all my phones, I have more than one. All my tablets, all my computers, they all just talk to each other. There is no single computer that's the source of truth. They're all the source of truth. Okay? And if I lose one or two of my computers, it doesn't matter because when I replace them, the other computers or phones or tablets will bring them up to date. Okay, that's pretty magical. Now, another thing that's magical about it is it all works without the Internet. I mean, it's not that we don't use the internet, but like I was on a plane to Paris and it didn't happen to have internet and I still had all my pictures and I could still do whatever I want with them, show them to other people, look at them, organize them, edit them, whatever I want. And one reason we can do that is um, we have, this is one of the pieces of secret sauce or one of the secret sauces. We have these things that I call magic miniatures. We some We call them previews in the product, but we'll take a very large um, picture, like let's say a 60 or 70 megabyte pixel for a picture from a, you know, a a Sony camera with a lot of pixels and reduce it down to one megabyte. And there are three things that are true about that magic miniature. One, on a retina class display, it's indistinguishable from the original. You cannot tell that you don't have the original there. Even though... Even if you have 500,000 pictures, all of those magic miniatures will fit onto a one terabyte iPad and still take less than half the storage, all of them, like there all the time, or a one terabyte phone, you won't be able to tell you don't have the original. And what are the magic Fully miniatures? Are, the, are those, are, and so let's just dive into that a bit from a, from a, a prosumer standpoint. So these magic miniatures are, are they proxy files that are low resolution well, that kind well, of remember well, well, edits? Okay. So first of all, we do non-destructive editing. These mm-hmm. these miniatures are fully editable. We do non-destructive editing. So when we're if you rate or face tag or edit a picture, you know, you crop it or change the exposure or do whatever you do, 
what travels around from machine to machine once the pictures are there are the sidecar files that contain uh, the changes, the edits, okay? And not only that, the third magical thing we do is we preserve color fidelity. So if you're working on uh, that big print for your mother for Mother's Day and you're doing it on an airplane and you do some edits and you change the, you know, the color map or whatever, and then you land and then you uh, work on the original on your big computer, the edits all arrive, the picture looks just the same. It's a little bit of magical how we do that. I mean, it's all software. Yeah. And so, the, but those, the miniatures are image files. They're just, um, I mean, they're obviously lower resolution. They have to be, but here's the, the trick. This is the key insight is um, the amount of resolution you need to look good on a retina class display isn't that much. The dis even the biggest retina class display isn't that big. Yeah. There's just only so many pixels. And the display so, itself, I mean... You're not zooming around you know, in there, though, right? If you're not online and yeah, you've no, got you a picture zoom, up, you can zoom in and do retouching in. and all that? Absolutely. I do this all the time. Like, I'll take a picture and it's backlit, and even though the camera's very smart, the faces are a little bit, like, they're a little bit too dark to see, and so I'll make the picture bigger, like maybe four times as big so the faces aren't so tiny, and then I'll use a brush to just adjust the exposure a little bit and suddenly it's a good picture. And when I'm zooming in, I can't tell that I'm not zooming in on the original. Now, granted, if you zoom in far enough, eventually you'll be able to tell, but it's farther than anybody would ever zoom. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And then what happens, and I know you're going to demo this, but then what happens? So I'm on that plane. I got these photos and I'm editing. I'm not connected to the internet. I make a bunch of edits yep. to a portrait. I like the way it looks. I get back to, maybe I'm on my iPad. I'm doing some editing with pencil or whatever. And then yep. I get back to uh, home on my quote you don't proper. Have to get home. No, you don't have to get home. The first time that your iPad sees the internet, either in a hotel room or if you have cellular connection, it sees it as soon as you land. Your iPad talks to the computer at home running Milio, and all the changes are transmitted. And when you get home, they're already there. Oh, wow. But, but those changes that we're making, the changes that I made on the plane, I get off the plane, I connect to cellular, those get pumped up and back down to the other destinations, right? So yep. then when I, when I get back to my computer here in the home office, the changes that I made to that one photo are there. So they're there waiting for yep. me. That photo is identical to the photo that is on the iPad, that is on any of the other devices that I've connected to Mylio. Bingo. Nice. Very cool. With no internet. With, well, no cloud. So it's not saving anywhere. And then that cloud becomes a source of truth. And next time a computer connects to the cloud, it gets the source. You're going... Where it, where are the, in other words, where are those changes going? So when I reconnect with they're my phone, from one well, they're going straight from one computer to the other. Okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. We've been trained that everything needs to go in the cloud first and then magic yep. happens. Then it comes down, right? This peer to peer stuff is yep. old, but new. Right? Yeah. It's old, but new. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about the target, the targets for this software. Who, who are you going after? Is it, is it the, the consumers, people with shoeboxes full of photos? Is it, you know, the weekend warriors that are dentists during the day and then on the weekends they go out and they do, you know, shots of the ocean or, or landscapes? Or is it the pros on the hey, high end that are, have clients? and? It's not, 
So we have professional users, like one of my best friends who I'm visiting in a few weeks is Matthew Jordan Smith, and he's a famous fashion photographer, and he has 4 million photos in my video. Yes, he does. I just, I just published an interview with him last week. Yeah, but he's not our target. I, you know, he loves Milio and we, we love having him. So our target is, uh, I'll give you three different definitions. First of all, there are a lot of people who feel like they're drowning in photos. Mm -hmm. They've got photos everywhere. Like uh, one guy was telling me uh, he stopped taking pictures with his camera. He only takes pictures with his phone. He's now got over a million pictures that he's taken with his phone, which is really easy to do because you can take pictures so fast and he has uh, old discs, and this particular person even had old phones that have pictures on them. And <clears throat> so for those people, Mylio is a hub. You can now buy uh, a 20-terabyte hard drive for about $600. Yeah. You can buy a 5-terabyte hard drive for $100. Run Mylio and start bringing all your pictures together. That's the first step. Okay, then who, what kind of people are we specifically targeting? Well, one example would be uh, any family where there's a family historian, kind of a memorist. Mm -hmm. You know, it could be the mother, it could be the father. This is the person who takes the most pictures at the party or who's collecting pictures from everybody else and is trying to make sure that, you know, like all those memories are preserved and, you know, like that. There, there the are millions of people yeah. who do that. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm one of them. Anybody, anybody who travels, like here's the interesting thing. Even though the camera industry is now way smaller, there still are hundreds of millions of people who occasionally take pictures with a camera when they're on a trip. Yeah. Now, you know, here's an interesting thing about going on a trip. You're going to take a lot of pictures and you probably have limited or no connectivity. So let's say that you're on a cruise. You finally saved up. You're going on the trip of a lifetime. It's on a cruise. And uh, maybe you're taking pictures with your iPhone or maybe your Android phone, or maybe you even bought a camera just for the cruise. That happens a lot. And you're on land, and then you get back on the ship, and you want to start looking at and organizing some of your pictures, and you want to get them on your computer or your iPad. And you're using Apple Photos. All those pictures have to go up to the cloud, get stored there, and then come back. And it might be one of the days when the ship's uh, internet isn't there. You know, the internet on a ship is expensive, slow, and intermittent. So you're done. Yeah. Or if you have Milio, you got back to your cabin, and uh, either you ran Milio on your phone and then all the pictures over the ship's Wi-Fi magically appear in your iPad and your computer and five minutes later, they're all there. Or if you have a camera, you uh, stuck the card reader into the computer and five minutes later, those are all there also and you're done. Wow. Like, wow. why isn't that a good thing? It is a good thing. Why? And, and what about raw? like raw files because i'm gonna, I'm gonna shoot raw files for everything right okay you're gonna so here's a story about raw and then we should if we're gonna do a demo we should switch to the demo because otherwise yeah. we'll run way over yeah um, so years ago uh we had this theory like you mentioned how we launched milio in 2014 
And yeah. we were going to sell Mylio through camera dealers. Now, in those days, there were a lot of camera dealers. Like the regional super mall near me had seven camera dealers. Now it's only got one, a Leica store, which is actually leaving the mall. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So I went out to this uh, one camera store. I'm not going to say which one. And it was owned by a guy, and but his wife helped run the business. And so she's there for the demo. And like, why are you even talking about selling software? We've done that before. And, you know, people just want to buy cameras and have film processed and so on. And then she says to me, you're not going to talk about what do you call it, Jerry? And she says, oh, yeah, raw. You're not going to talk about raw, are you? And I said, well, I am. And she kind of looks a little disgusted. <laughs> and so we go through the demo. Or we, we do a demo and so on. And at the end of it, she says, wait, let me get this straight. So I don't really know what raw is, but everybody tells me that if I were to shoot in raw, my pictures will be better. And I said, yes. She said, if I use Milio, it completely hides the fact that I'm shooting raw. And I said, yes. She said, all I have to do is turn a switch one time when I install Milio, and from now on I can shoot raw, and I can't even tell that I'm shooting raw, except that now my pictures will all be bad. And I said, yes. And she looked at her husband and said, you should sell this product. Yeah. <laughs> did they, ultimately? Yeah, they did. Very good. Very good. And he continued using it even after he retired. Wow. Well, let's switch, let's switch gears, like you said, and move into that demo. For the folks that are watching this, this part of the, this is a two-part uh, interview because there's, a, a, you know, visuals, which, were, which will be up on YouTube. And then there's this audio and visual part, which will be on YouTube and in the, the uh, podcast for this episode. But Dave, before we move over to that and in this part of it, the, so I have a good understanding of what Milio is doing today. What, where, as the founder of the company and the visionary for the company, where do you want things to be tomorrow? Like, you know, say a couple of years from now. Well, I, you know, first of all, I want to say, I'd love to hear from your listeners and later your viewers. My email is david at milio.com. You're welcome mm -hmm. to write to me. Okay. Wow. That's um, new. <laughs> yeah. So our, our biggest challenge even today uh, it's like that story, the little engine that could. Mm -hmm. uh, nobody knows we exist. I mean, you do, but yeah. like if you went into, a, I don't know, okay, not a movie theater. I went to see a movie the other night and it was really sad. I went, there were two of us and there was only two other people, three other people in the whole movie theater. Like how sad is that? But <clears throat> let's say you go into a restaurant. There's a lot of people there. The place is full. And then you suddenly get to say, wait, I want to ask everybody a question. You know, how many of you have heard of Google Photos? Everybody raises their hand. How many of you have heard of Apple Photos? Everybody raises their hand. How many of you have heard of Adobe or Lightroom? And probably 10 or 20% of the people raise their hand. It depends on where you are. How many of you have heard of Milio? You know, there's a good chance nobody will raise their hand. Yeah. And because we run against all the trends, like people, one of the hardest things that we have is to have to do is convince people that we don't store pictures in the cloud like i'll explain peer-to-peer -peer and what we do and then they say okay but where are they in the cloud they're not well yeah but how can they not be in the cloud anyway so i think we built a product that 
many people need, like hundreds of millions of people, certainly millions, like anybody who cares about their memory, anybody who has a lot of pictures who wants to, you know, they're not serious hobbyists. They could be as well, but wants to have some control over how they're organized, people who care about privacy, people who want the performance that comes from everything running locally. There are many reasons, and it's a beautiful product. I want more of those people to learn about Mao, you use it and tell all their friends. That's where I want to be. What's the what's the price of Mylio? Is there a free trial? How, how does all that mechanics work? It's $100 a year. Uh, there is a 30-day trial. And, uh, you know, $100 a year, depending on how you look at it, is a little or a lot. A lot of our users come in and they say, well, $100 a year, I'll just give you the $100. And we do have a money-back guarantee, so there's not much risk there. Yeah. Absolutely. And then obviously, you know, it, it, it goes without saying if people want to learn more about Mylio or sign up for it, Mylio.com. And that's M-Y-L-I-O. What does Mylio mean, by the way, before we move off of this? Okay, there's two answers to that question. One is it doesn't have a meaning, but because people don't want to hear that, it stands for my life is organized. Oh, I like that. Okay. Yeah. Good. Good. All right. Well, we'll leave this segment right there, uh, David. This is this is great, man. Thank you for putting the software together. The, the thing that I love about the photography space, like the industry in general, is there always or there seem to be always smart people that are looking to solve problems that we don't know that we had in the first place. Right. Or yep. or those problems that we've just learned to live with, like that pain in your leg that you just, you know, you forget about it. And then when it's gone, you feel like you're a superhero. Right. And same kind of thing here. Yeah. You lift this problem. All right. So we'll leave it right there. Uh, MyLeo.com is where people can go. We're speaking with David Vaskovich in part two of this interview or this this piece. David's going to take us inside of MyLeo and show us how to use it and get into the nitty gritty of it. So thank you, David. I appreciate you. This is Twitter.